0: Welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is The Last Temptation of Christ, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Willem Dafoe and Harvey Keitel. Today is not really a usual show because we we have one expert, which is me, you know, quote unquote expert. I always say that, but you know, it's not really true. Um and we also have Isaac, who has researched a lot about this movie, apparently. Um, and so we're both kind of experts also in the subject matter a little bit and in sort of the themes. And I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion about this uh, this movie that's very controversial, especially in the worlds that we that that we both inhabit and come from. Um And I really think that we're going to have a good discussion. So I am excited for it. Isaac, um, how are you doing? How have you, uh, have you, you've, we've, we haven't seen each other in a little while. So how have you, been?
1: yes, yes. It's good to be back. It's good to be back on an episode that I think is going to be maybe a little bit more beefy than our normal episodes. I was talking to Jules about it and I was like, wow, watching this movie. I mean, it, it hit, it hits close to home because Cameron and I both, you know, come from a Christian background." I also think that Cameron and I probably, I mean, listen to us, right? We're on a podcast we love to talk about <laughs> philosophy, theology. I feel like this is a this is a perfect clash. So if you're not ready for that, I'm telling you this is where it's going. You know, you've been warned <laughs> right away. Yeah. We're going to be bringing the conversation of faith, you know, uh and and things like that into this this movie conversation. I feel like this is, this is the movie to do it. You know, this is the movie to have that conversation, but yeah, it's been, it's been a while. I've, uh, I had a week off with the in-laws, Juliana's family. We went to Maui. It was very nice, uh, to get some sun after a long winter. feels like it was very Mm -hmm. rainy here in the Bay. Um, so soaked up the sun, had a ton of great food. We went to this restaurant in Maui called, uh, Merriman's and it, it is just some of the best seafood I've had. Um, excellent restaurant. It's going to destroy your wallet, but <laughs> wow! And and the thing I said after we were coming away from that, Cameron is, uh, Jules and I were like, you know what? We need to go get some fine dining with uh, Cameron and Kiana. Come mm-hmm. on, you know that would be. I feel fun. like we're all four of us are like big foodies, right?
0: We are. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, one of the reasons. You know, me and, me and Kiana are going to go on vacation in a couple weeks, but um, we're going to to Thailand. And one of the reasons we're doing that is because the food there is so good and so cheap. And wow. we kind of like the best of both worlds, you know. we Actually, it's funny because whenever we go out here, uh, we're always like, this was great and this was fun. It was nice to hang out. We actually hung out with Juzo last week. Um oh. And we went to a French restaurant, you know, and it's it's always fun. It's always a good time. But I always think like, dang, I kind of would have more fun maybe like cooking this myself you know there's like something something about the the making of food that is is enjoyable to me too so uh, definitely yeah you know i mean i
1: gotta say i've been in the mood to watch pig again (laughs) juliana she refuses to watch a movie called pig but i'm telling i'm telling her she's gonna love it you know she would love Um, it actually yeah yeah i i yeah the fine dining stuff you gotta do it every once in a while cameron i gotta take you to some restaurants man like, there are restaurants that inspire me to cook. Mm. Um, and I don't go out to these a lot. I just think Jules and I, like, we love... Her parents are really into it. It's just, it's always a treat uh, to to kind of go out to those restaurants. But I have been watching um, a good amount of movies. Some of them have completely slipped my mind <laughs> on top of this one. But the ones that I can really think of are uh, the ones that I watched on the plane, because it was about a five-hour flight. Uh, and... I will re-watch The Fellowship of the Ring and The Two Towers. Um, excellent to revisit these movies. They are amazing. Everybody said enough about them. I was really surprised how much I enjoyed The Two Towers. Usually that's the one I kind of fall asleep in. Because <laughs> it's sort of just, it's it's like the middle part. But I found myself really like sinking into um, what they had put together for that movie I don't know if it was because it was the theatrical uh, that could have mm. been a portion of it maybe um, so it was moving a little faster but um, yeah they're they're excellent films been really excited I really want to see the Mario movie but I haven't got around to it yet um, and I and I just cannot think of the other film that I oh oh <laughs> Oh gosh! And then I watched um, Sharknado with Juliana. That was the movie. Um, we don't want to get off too 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 far off topic. Um, what a nightmare! That's all I'm gonna say. Um, Cameron, <laughs> what have you been watching?
0: <laughs> I've just been watching Succession. I've been continuing this season, um, and it's incredible. You really ought to watch this show. Maybe just mm-hmm. wait until the this last season finishes, I think in a couple of weeks. Um, But it is incredible because this season is the last season. So um, that'll be, it'll be over after that. Um, But no, truly it is some of the most clever, interesting, dramatic, and funny writing in television. Um, I think every single episode has just, you know, it really just hits. Um, there isn't really any bad episodes and yeah, I, I've been super loving it. Um, I'm all caught up except for yesterday. There was a new episode, so I haven't watched that yet, but, um, yeah, just really, uh, enjoying, enjoying continuing that. So that's it.
1: I've wanted to check that out. I've also wanted to check out severance. I've heard good things about both those yeah, shows. That's good too. Um, um, I, I tried to start watching Man in the High Castle mm-hmm. on Netflix. I just, I I get so bored of movies, uh, not movies, but TV shows. Just, I'm like, they feel cheap, they look cheap. And the pilot was pretty good too. Um, I just could not get myself into it at all whatsoever. So I'm not sure if, sometimes like, I really have to prep myself for TV uh, it really it really depends. It really depends on where it's going. So um, I'll I'll have to check it out. But I do not want to delay any further. This is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions, throw a couple dollars away, get all the exclusive bonus episodes that we have recorded on there for our patrons only, get the ability to have your questions read on the show, all these other benefits. We appreciate you no matter what, just staying here listening to the show. Uh, it all helps it grow, sharing it, giving us a rating. We just thank you for your time, and thank you for being here with us. I, I watched a bunch of content on this movie, Cameron. Oh. A lot of YouTube stuff, a couple video essays and things like that. Um I got to say, I really didn't see any Christian commentators that were like close to where I think you and I are going to be coming from. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And so that is why I'm so excited about this episode. And I wanted to not take the casual seat because going into this movie, I was like, just for some background, I worked for a church for about four years and I grew up in the church the whole time. That's how Cameron and I met. We met. Uh, At a youth group in middle school, and then have been friends since. So, faith, the conversation about, you know, trying to follow Christ, being, you know, kind of tempted by sin was always a big conversation um, for us. And I think that's what has resonated so much with me uh, in Scorsese films. So, for him to make a movie about the Gospels, I was extremely intrigued. And then to kind of, you know, hear about all the controversy, go into it really not knowing what to expect. I feel like what we should do, Cameron, and I just, I'm going to kind of guide the boat here, is I want to talk about like sort of like face value movie critic enjoyment thing. Mm -hmm. And then I want to dig into some of the ideas of what maybe Scorsese is going for, where I think things that he did that I did not like, that I thought were really poor decision. And things that I actually did like, because it seems like (laughs) it it seems like to me this movie, you it's either like critically like this is great, or it's like you know the Christian audience they they haven't seen it and they say it's blasphemy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And in all in in all reality, I don't think Martin Scorsese is like you know in the devil's like clutches and he was like, I'm going to make a blasphemous movie. That's evil. (laughs) And, you know, just completely disregards like, you know, Jesus and his life. Right. Um, I don't think that's where he's coming from. I think if you watch some of his movies, um, and kind of see the Catholic roots of guilt and shame and a desire to be on the narrow path versus, you know, falling into, a life of vice that does not result in any kind of redemption. Um, I, I just feel like it's, it's easier to be one-sided in, in, in analyzing these movies. And so we're going to get into it with this one. We should start with the quote, uh, then thoughts on a, on this viewing. And then we'll get into like what we liked, what we didn't like, and I'm sure the conversation is going to expand there. I know that's a pretty, pretty sporadic intro, um, but Cameron, give yeah. us a synopsis. Give us the the intro quote for the movie, and then we'll get into like our viewing experience.
0: Yeah. So, The Last Temptation of Christ is um, a kind of an early Scorsese movie. This was um, maybe in his first uh, first or second ish decade of of him actually making films. Um, it was very, very low budget, um, and I don't know if you read up about this, but the yeah. production was halted um, by, um, I think, uh, United Artists was the first uh, person who was, you know, they were going to produce the movie, and that got halted after, uh, you know, a series of, of protests and, and backlash, and Universal picked it up, but for, like, a severely cut budget, basically. Um you know, this movie had a budget of like $7 million, which is nothing, you know, today it's nothing in 1980, whatever it was nothing. Um, and so, you know, there was, there was something about, um, the, the backlash that even before it was, it was made, it was kind of, um, it was kind of a hot, hot button movie. Um, but the, um, you know, it takes a fictionalized version of, um, of the, the gospel story and specifically the, uh, the crucifixion story. Um, and it's based on a, a book, um, that was written by, uh, Nikos Kazantzakis, uh, I think is how you say his name. Um, and the book was controversial as well. So, you know, it's no, no doubt that when this movie came out, it would be controversial. Um, But lots of, um, uh, rioting and, and banning and, you know, whatever else later, um, this has kind of ended up as one of Scorsese's forgotten films. I think, uh, people don't really talk about it that much. And the people who do are usually, um, like you said, kind of, there's these two very simple ways of, of looking at it. Um, and yeah, so I guess I'll I'll read the quote that um, you know is is put at the very front of the of the movie, um, and it's it's from the foreword I believe of the book. Um, it says the dual substance of Christ, the yearning so human, so superhuman, of man to attain God, has always been deeply inscrutable mystery to me. My principal anguish and source of all of my joys and sorrows from my youth onward has been the incessant, merciless battle between the spirit and the flesh. And my soul is the arena where these two armies have clashed and met. Nikos Kazantzakis from the book The Last Temptation of Christ. And after that, it says, this film is not based upon the gospels, but on this fictional exploration of the eternal spiritual conflict. And so I think that puts into... Um, a pretty good perspective of where uh, Scorsese is coming from. One thing that I, I think is is clear from the onset is that he's not necessarily uh, his goal is not necessarily to um, to push the the you know the the standard gospel line of you know the things that happen that are described in the scriptures. Um, he's trying to explore something that maybe is a little more um, philosophical about being God and man, both God and man, um, and what that means. And I think there is something quite um, engaging about that premise. Um, And I also just want to say that um, Scorsese is a Catholic, and I think, you know, he has struggled with his faith. And uh, there's kind of a this puts a, a deeper perspective a little bit about about Scorsese because his um, his real concern or you know his his sort of um, struggle with faith has to do with with him getting a divorce and uh, him sort of being rejected by the church after that. And I think I, I was reading Roger Ebert's review of this movie, his contemporary review um, from two thousand eight. And he says this very interesting thing. Um, He says, these speculations may be wild and unfounded ideas. Um, I am taking to him rather than finding in him, but particularly during Scorsese's early years, I believe the church played a larger role in his inner life than was generally realized. Talking with me after one of his divorces, he said, I'm living in sin and I will go to hell because of it. I asked him if you really truly believed that. Yes, he said, I do. Um, Which is very, um, it's a very interesting, like I said, I think that puts a lot of perspective into this movie, Um, the struggle of faith and the struggle to find um, uh, clarity and to find God. So that's my little intro piece about it. Um, And I guess we could talk about our, our general thoughts of the movie aspect of it. Um, and then go into some of the more deeper philosophical roots of it. Um, what did you think of the actual movie itself, Isaac? Well, I will
1: say I'm a little biased watching a movie like this. I think when I was viewing it, so much of what I was comparing was engaging and elevating the movie mm-hmm. uh, much more because I'm so familiar with, the story of Christ and what, how he's represented in the gospels, it sort of began to play this um, mind game with you where it would sway from something that would be sort of shown close to how you would imagine it in the gospels to a scene that's completely fictional and pretty disconnected. And it leaves you at least for someone that, I mean, for someone that really believes this stuff, right? When I'm watching it, I'm, I'm fairly conflicted, which almost kind of coincides with like what the movie is, is doing as well. Mm -hmm. And it leaves you turning. Um, I don't, I don't like this movie a lot. I, I find that the conversation around it is much more interesting. Do I think you should go out and watch this movie? Honestly, No, unless this conversation somehow like inspires you to look at it from this analytical lens because i i really feel like the reason people swing to one side or the other saying oh it helped me explore my spirituality me like or the other side being it's blasphemous and evil against the word like like those two perspectives are easier to take with this movie you know you can kind of just watch it not think about it and say, I'm spiritually connected, right? Or you can watch it and say, well, that's not what's in the Bible and I hate it, you know? And I I think what's difficult is that this movie isn't very like clear in a lot of places. Um, And so I think to actually dissect it and, and pull it apart, like you can get, like these diamonds in the rough out of it. And you can also see a lot of like where it stumbles. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to circle back to the budget thing and then I'll ask you about your viewing experience. This movie looks horrible. I just want to say like it really (laughs) is not a treat to watch, which is weird (laughs) for a Scorsese movie. And actually when you're talking about how it was stalled and in this stuttered sort of like it's in a limbo. When they're in production, there's like this genuine anger being presented across most of the scenes. And maybe that's meant to be like the anguish or the difficulty. But like there's like a real like upset feeling from everyone on set. Everyone in every scene is basically very grumpy except for the wedding scene right <laughs> uh and i don't know if that is partially because of the production side but there's there is i i don't know i don't know if it was a direction for people to be like hopeless and upset um it could be i could totally see that but i feel like maybe some of the behind the scenes stuff comes through with every actor being just super grumpy to be there it's weird because i don't i don't I think that's what makes it um, kind of unrealistic to, I guess, the story of the Gospels because I think there's more um, life lived in that besides like an anger and like kind of like a like a Batman-esque <laughs> perspective of the world, right? Which is yeah. very much represented in this. Um, but it could have been also tied to the behind the scenes stuff. So overall, it's like, i would I would really caution like watching watching this movie unless you're gonna um take the time to consider it because if I had not, I would have walked away pretty like either offended or very much just like whatever. Um, it, I, I don't know. Like I feel like maybe most of this movie's value comes from some of the ideas in the book and even the quote at the beginning, like, it's a little bit of an eye roller quote too, like I do think that there's something there that's interesting, but the way that it's like like kind of stretched out in this academic voice is just like, oh, okay, you know like i i've I've been to an English class like just you know you don't need to just try to be profound, you know uh i I would say i mean just to be even on more of like a Defensive side. I'm. Mean, I feel like the gospels are are profound enough. You don't need to, you know, kind of just over analyze. It just it just feels too much like school. The opening quote is so much like the English class that makes me pound my head against the table. It's Cameron saying gravity was an allegory for birth, and it makes me just want to. No, know, dude, <laughs> shut up. You know. So yeah, my my like the viewing experience is not that great. It's not that great. I'm more excited about this conversation we're going to have. How about you,
0: Carolyn? Uh, yeah, I, I mostly agree. I don't think this movie is like, um, amazing. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a big Scorsese guy. I, I love him, but I think all of the, um, uh, all the things that I like about his movies are kind of stripped away in this one. um, And also, I mean, except for the one, which is the conversation about, about faith and, and sort of this, this very deep and very intimate and personal idea of, um, of struggling in your, in your belief. I think that's frequently a theme in his movies. I think he is probably the only person working in film that is, is tackling that, that idea. And, I think he takes at the very least he takes this story very seriously um and it's mm. not just a sort of hand wavy or um even just a I think I get um really bored with a lot of the portrayals of Jesus that you see from like um you know the 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 Christian movies and whatnot. Um, right. cause I, I just don't think it's that, um, engaging. And I think he does overcome that. I would say he, he gives, he gives Jesus whether or not, I mean, obviously it's, it's a fictional depiction of this, but, um, the, I, the, you know, the idea of Jesus is a little more, um, nuanced than, than it, it would be, I guess, um, in a depiction that is, uh, you know less less engaging and less artistic i guess so in that regard i think he does a, a great job um with that said i agree with you that i i don't think if you're just like a casual scorsese fan i don't think you need to <laughs> go back and revisit this one necessarily yeah. i mean i know I, I called it kind of a forgotten movie but it is one of his that that people um, I think, think about more than talk about, I guess. They know that it's in his catalog. They've probably never seen it. Uh, most people probably haven't seen this movie, but you know, they know that there's this this sort of controversy around it. Like even you knew that this was, oh, the Willem Defoe <laughs> uh, Jesus movie, right? You know what I'm d- well, like,
1: I mean, I, I knew it because of what you had said. I wasn't I wasn't going in completely blind.
0: Well, I know, but um but but remember when I when I first pitched it to you, um I think you you had heard of it before, right? Mm. Um and you probably had heard of the the controversy surrounding it. So in in any case, I think there is something um that he's he's wrestling with this. It, within this movie, um, and I think that's very worthwhile. And I think the fact that it is a per, kind of personal movie to him um, is something that makes it uh, more of a struggle for an audience to watch and engage with. Uh, yeah. Because I think the movie is much less... Um, It's kind of an exercise in in his own thoughts and in his his own uh, contemplation of faith, Um, which, you know, I think we'll talk about this hopefully next week. Uh, But I think he does that contemplation so much better in the next movie that we're going to talk about, which is Silence. Um, Still a very um, dry and kind of depressing movie. um, But. The the actual contemplation of the things that he's thinking about in this movie, I think, are very fleshed out in in silence, whereas these I think he kind of leans a bit more on on the book, I would say. Um, So, yeah, those are my kind of thoughts. I I just I didn't I had never seen this before, Um, so I'm glad that I have now. Uh, But personally, it wasn't wasn't the most riveting thing that i had ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um so and i i think this lies sort of the
1: key element of what like breaks this movie from like a christian perspective even though it it openly says like this is not supposed to be the gospels at the beginning. Again, what's difficult about saying that is that you are literally like trying to capture scenes that are shown in the gospels you know um there's no masking of any like it's jesus in the market flipping over the tables so it's kind of hard to be like this isn't the gospel but then we're gonna do like 70 percent of the scenes like kind of close yeah to what it might have been like right and so what you're talking about, about like Scorsese exploring his personal struggle through the lens of Jesus Christ's life. That is where the movie I think begins to kind of maybe be seen as some sort of like blasphemy against God, because there's so much of a personal connection to what Jesus went through when at the same time, Jesus has like, a div- like a divinity about him. There is something that is different about him in scripture compared to what people go through. He's both man and God. And in this movie, they represent Jesus Christ as more man and then becoming God, which is a very different, um, very different story than what is shown in the Gospels, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I do think that what Scorsese does great in considering his struggle with his faith and and trying to be, you know, I guess a good or or saved Christian, and to his credit, right, is like the Bible says to become Christ like. So this yeah. movie really puts that idea like right in your face, uh, and I think that was probably the most compelling and moving thing to me about this movie is that when I watched it from a believer's perspective, instead of seeing the Jesus of the gospel, it puts you in the position of Jesus and has you failing, uh, through his experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. It's not that, it's not that they show Jesus like, I mean, I guess in some cases you could see it maybe as sin. Right. Um, but I think this is like where this movie really breaks. And that was the, that was the first thing when I was watching this movie is I was like, why is this movie about like, why is Jesus even here? Like this movie would have been a much better if it was in any other setting about anything else. You know, it should have been a sci-fi movie, you know, it should have been anything else. Right. Um, but instead it, it focuses on beats from the gospel. And I was really perplexed by that. And that's where after the credits rolled, I began to do research. And I came across this video essay. That I think everyone should check out if you're a Scorsese fan, it's on YouTube. It's called the duality of Martin Scorsese. And the thing that the, 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 um, essay points out is that like, Martin Scorsese is obsessed with this vice versus virtue thing. Mm -hmm. Um, He talked about one of the things that really like shocked me is we recently reviewed the Wolf of Wall Street and he talked about the tone in that movie being so upbeat, fun, goofy, almost comedic, even though it is dark and, and quite vile in a lot of cases And it's like the bad guys are having the best time. Mm -hmm. Whereas (laughs) movies like, you know, this, it's like to follow the narrow path is like, pain, is like possession. (laughs) Like you're literally being like haunted by the devil nonstop. Right. And I was like, wow, that is like such a profound idea across like what he's doing. Um, Maybe it's, it's, but it's just, it's just so like, and, and the essay goes on and on to, to then begin talking about silence, how it's like a better representation, like a great follow up after the Wolf of Wall Street, Mm -hmm. like to be like, there's the vice and here's the virtue and the lifestyles like completely like clashing. Right. And the movies are
0: tonally just so at odds, you know, where, you know, Wolf of Wall Street is something that is so, um. Like you said, upbeat and fun and kind of enjoyable to watch, um, and silence is the very opposite of that. And this movie is very—I um, would say—it's arduous to 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 watch in a lot of ways. I don't think this is a very <laughs> fun or engaging movie, and you know, partially, probably on purpose. I don't think he's he's meaning for it to be. Um, because it's supposed to be something that's, that's more serious. You know, he's, he's wrestling with, with very serious ideas, but that is, that is a really great point of his, um, you know, in, even in a movie, I think maybe, you know, let's, let's shy away from silence cause we haven't uh, talked about it yet, but a movie like, uh, the Irishman that we both love and, and are both very interested in, um, that movie shows sort of the um you know where he where he is after a life of this sort of um, betrayal and this sort of the sinful life basically um and I think that's that's a very interesting perspective that that we don't get to see in a lot of Scorsese's movies, and I think it's kind of the first time that you see it pull back as this um, this very devastating instead of the sort of fun and raucous uh, way to view these gangsters that he might have in in Goodfellas or whatever. This is a movie that is showcasing the pain and the hurt from you know from that lifestyle. And that's why the Irishman is Scorsese's
1: best movie. By far. And I'm just going to stand by that because it, it is the reflection of fighting this vice versus virtue thing seen in one movie. It's long, it's a long movie for a reason. I feel like it it takes (laughs) a lot to get into that full circle of an experience. Right. Whereas, you know, doing just the vice, you could fill up two hours and not even get close to anything of meaning. Or if you're just doing like the cost of virtue, well, the audience is going to be depressed, you know? <laughs> and that's, you know, that's that, right? What I think was so interesting about this essay that I referenced was how, how he, he justified that Mean Streets is the closest to coming full circle with it. Um, and he explained how the main character is obsessed with going to church in that movie over and over and over again, and he's arguing with God about saying like, well, there's got to be some other way I can be saved because I'm not going to give up this this life mm-hmm. of vice, you know? And how that's represented between Robert De Niro's character, the young guy who isn't repaying anything, and the older gangster who's always asking like, who's going to pay for this, you know? And yeah. how like this, yeah. this, this is represented in Mean Streets as like, you know kind of the vice on one shoulder the you know god's judgment on the other in the in this life of crime right and how he's stuck in the middle of those two relationships right um and what's even more fascinating is that if i went this far you listen to some of scorsese's commentary tracks over this movie the last temptation of christ right uh I specifically listened to a commentary track about this subject from the 2008 Criterion Collection release Mm -hmm. or something like that, where he discusses how he thinks this conflict in his life is better represented by Mean Streets than in this movie. Mm. Like, looking back on this movie, he sees it as a little less mature, a little less concise, right? kind of distracted by the glamour of trying to Hollywood eyes or like the life of Christ being edgy, bringing in Eastern ideas. I mean, Christ does, or Jesus does like some jujitsu to resurrect Lazarus. And this movie is <laughs> a little weird, you know, like stuff like that is like, I don't, you know, it, it, it really diminishes what I think is at the core of what Scorsese wants to explore. And there's also a conflict watching some interviews with the writers of this movie as well. They don't have that Catholic background.
0: Well, Paul, Paul Schrader does.
1: Okay. I, I don't know. Actually. I, I don't know if all of them did, but he was talking about how it was so weird. I listened to this interview. He was talking about that idea of like religions starting in this movie and how, you know, someone could convince themselves like that they're God or something like that and I, was, I was like, what like I was like, what is this guy talking about? And I was like, I feel like this is so off from what the movie was trying to present or at least understanding where Scorsese is coming from like I felt like he had a very different vision for this movie and its script and then Scorsese was adapting it to what he was going through so it it leaves you in this like very um like very strange place. Uh and I do I do want to get into like sort of what what I didn't like about this movie getting into the nitty gritty, Cameron. Do you want to should I stop or should I hand it over to you or should I just keep going?
0: Um uh yeah, well I just looked it up because Paul Schrader um he was he was raised Calvinist, like a very strict Calvinist. And actually mm. it, that is something that is very um uh is very he that's something that he really focuses on actually is religion in, in a lot of his movies. And um he kind of he might come out at it from a, a little bit of a different perspective than Scorsese would, but um but it is he, he does have that background. But I I'll uh I'll give it to you for, for things that you didn't necessarily like. Um you know, the are you are you getting into the sort of portrayals of Jesus or are you um that's where still I wanted to go. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's where I wanted to go.
0: Um, just a note, though.
1: Interesting that you say he's raised Calvinist. I've always been intrigued by the Calvinist, like, theology. And if you don't know what that is, it's the ideas around predestination that you're either going to heaven or you're not. And it's predecided no matter your decision because God knows all things and he knows your path. And so you're on a path no matter what. And God sees how it trails. Um, so that really kind of opens like a third eye on your mind where it's like, I am selected to go to heaven, you know, and it was always the plan and that's kind of, or, or I wasn't right. And Calvinism is, you know, widely discussed in theological circles. This movie made me hate Calvinism. <laughs> I want to, I want to put that out there. Um, I have never been so compelled to disagree with the idea of predestination, actually, than, than after watching this movie. That was one of the theological things that this film broke because so much of what the Old Testament talks about in bringing, like, bringing the creation of man into the earth, God creating man, was the idea that they're made in the image of God and he wanted to give them free will. And I'm sure there's a Calvinist out there that can be like, Oh, I'm going to I'm going to bring in the scripture and explain to you why you're wrong, okay? I'm I'm not I'm not going to go that far right here, right? But what I don't like about the Calvinist like perspective and what this movie made like my blood boil the most about is that so much of salvation in scripture is focused on your decision, right? To follow Christ. There is a decision and there is a, a an extremely important weight behind that decision, right? And Calvinism diminishes the weight of choosing the narrow path because it's almost like, well, you know, you're going to either go or you're not, you know? And it's like, I feel like you can't diminish that choice, you know? That is like such an important aspect to Christianity. So, you know? are you
0: saying that this movie is an argument um, against the Calvinist position that beca- because Jesus had to make basically a, an active choice um, in all of the steps of of the way? Is that what you're saying? Um, or it it is from the Calvinist position. It feels
1: like the Calvinist perspective. And the first thing about, and I need to clarify this, this movie, like it's not about Jesus. It's about a man's struggle with faith too, right? Like that's why I wanted to kind of get into that because it's like it, and it, it clarifies that, but like to refer to him as Jesus is like not accurate to the gospel. Right. Yeah. It's weird. He has like a passive guilt and struggle in this movie, um, where he's like, it's almost like he has this pre predestination sort of thing happening. Um, and then he's tricked and then he decides to make a decision at the end. Right. The, like the, the idea is the last temptation spoilers, right? The idea of this movie towards the end is that Jesus is hanging on the cross and he gets like a get out of jail free card where an angel comes to him Secretly Satan. It's pretty obvious. Um, it's this kid. Oh, you know, God changed his mind. You can come down from the cross. You can live your days out. as a man. He's in this weird third dimensional kind of world that's not... It doesn't quite make sense, that whole last scene. But you get the idea that it was like he was given um, a, a moment to step down from being a savior. It's very fictional. This is not in the Gospels at all, right? He's given an opt-out to just live... A normal, happy life uh, and die of old age. And he's dying of old age after deciding to do this because he thought that, you know, an angel came to him. And then he, just, of course, he's like, oh my goodness, that wasn't an angel. That was Satan. I do want to get back on the cross. I do want to die and be a savior. And then he, then of course the movie ends. So it's like there's that ending redemption, right? Um So I guess maybe that's, that conflicts with Calvinism
0: right there. Um, Well, I think, well, sorry, continue. Keep going. But yeah, I mean, this,
1: yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I I found myself like deeply considering Calvinism at the end of this movie. I'd always kind of been like, well, some people think that and some people don't. Um, but this movie I was like, I don't I don't <laughs> actually don't buy that at all. because um, it I feel like it diminishes the individual's decision, um, despite the struggles that they'll face and the decision they'll have to kind of rededicate constantly throughout their life, right? I mean, that's just your walk as a Christian, right? Um I don't know. I just I thought that was like surprising how it brought that out of me. I I,
0: I really kind of disagree actually with um i don't think i don't think that this is from necessarily the calvinist perspective of um you know the the idea that that jesus sort of was was on a specific path and needed to i think i think actually even more so the um the kind of um the bland uh you know depictions of of Jesus that you see from um you know from the Hallmark channel or whatever um not literally, but you know what I'm talking about this the sort of um very uh standard depictions that you get from from Christ, quote unquote christian movies I think that's a much more calvinist depiction of of jesus than than this is particularly because this is centering around the um and I don't I don't see it as you know he gets tricked to 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 say no I see that that whole section as this is you know this is obviously the last temptation and so he's seeing what his life could be like um if he if he didn't accept the idea of um, or if he if he you know if he came down from the cross and and whatever else um and i think i think part of that that reinforces it is um you know he he goes and he and this is a a, a real you know gospel um story or par- partially a you know a gospel story um you know when he's when he's tempted in the desert and um I think I think that story is or this this movie is kind of an extension of the thoughts that are um explored in that story of Jesus going into the desert being tempted by Satan seeing his life um what it could be and I think in the most um intense struggle of of that sort of uh idea and and then I guess in the garden of gethsemane where he is truly tempted to not um to not be crucified i think those two ideas are i think that's kind of the the thought that's explored just in in sort of a greater fictional detail um where you know you see you see him as uh you know he he's envisioning himself as someone who who could just save himself right now you know Mm. he can he can get off the cross he can live a normal life he can go and you know marry mary magdalene and have kids and and grow old and whatnot and i think that is one of the more compelling aspects of the movie um is this idea that i've always thought about which is you know god could always have you know relinquish or the, the the overwhelming temptation that he would have felt to you know relinquish relinquish his position because of the the torture and the abuse that, that he was suffering through you know um mm. and so i think i think that's i think the movie is about kind of the opposite <laughs> of that where you know he sees the the temptation is that he sees how his life could be um it's not that he's tricked into into giving it up. It's that he's he's seeing the the alternate um, part of his life, I guess, or what could be.
1: I I, I want to say I do agree with you. I wasn't trying to say that the movie I, and I might have misspoke. I wasn't trying to say that the movie was Calvinist. I was just trying to say it made me actually hate that that sure, section of theology. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, hates a strong word. Uh, it made me consider it much more deeply than i had previously and negative um, <laughs> yeah yeah i again i think one of the most interesting parts of this film is putting the viewer especially a viewer who who has really considered the life of jesus in his position yeah and it makes you realize how quickly you wouldn't be able to do that Right? right. Yeah. Willem Dafoe as Jesus. I do not think he is at all like Jesus it would be. <laughs> right. As a matter of fact, he has like a blank slate character in this movie. Yeah. Um, And it's almost like Link in the legend of Zelda <laughs> where he's sort of just like empty. Like he doesn't really know, you know, he's always like, like Jesus is never per- portrayed in the gospels as being like I'm not sure, you know he he's never saying <laughs> sure, that. Sure, but sure. Willem Dafoe the entire time is saying I don't know, right. you know, question like yeah. he has no idea, right? And so like him as Jesus was pretty like yucky. Like as a believer, I was like I just don't like this. But witnessing his his struggle and whatnot made me realize I was like oh shoot like a- like am I like I, man, like I, I don't know how you know it made Jesus kind of be like an actual superhero in my mind, in comparison to like, like whatever this this failed Jesus is in the movie, right? I Again, well, I Will- I kind
0: of agree in that I think Willem Dafoe, his portrayal, um, is so is very. Um, it annoyed me at first because he was so sort of waffly and he didn't really know what he what what to do, but I I agree with you that um, if you're considering this portrayal as as the man as Jesus right as you know the 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 perspective of the human um, in Jesus's shoes, um, then it really does make sense and it it puts into perspective that uh, you know this is probably what. What any of us would do, um, and you would probably be so um unsure of your of your calling, unsure of what was what was going on. Um, and so that aspect of him, where you know he's he's this kind of he's he's almost like insecure. Um, that was one of the more interesting changes that I thought brought some um some new perspective that i that i actually enjoyed by the end of the uh, the movie and the other change i think that is really significant that i was annoyed about at the beginning of the movie um but then quite appreciated at, by the end um was the the change to judas iscariot um who i think is given a very um it's almost like a the, he's the most sympathetic person in the movie <laughs>
1: Right. Very interesting. Very, very like that was one of the things I liked yeah. that I wanted to get. Yeah. Um, I just, um, before we get to Judas, I, I, I do want to kind of wrap up where I think like why I think I don't like Jesus's portrayal in this movie, why it's probably blasphemous to most people. And it is probably the highest praise I can give to this movie. Um, as well. Here's the thing. I don't... Like, we've said it over and over again. Like, this is not Jesus. This is man as Jesus. And I think why Christian audiences have their guts turning when they see this is they look at the screen and they say, Jesus isn't like this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? But I think what is actually making their gut turn the most is that it is taking the audience and saying, this is what you would be like yeah, if you were put in Jesus' shoes. And that is a terrifying feeling, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That yeah. is a feeling of, like, true dread and depression, you know? That is a feeling of, like who am, like, who am I? Like, how can I even say that I'm, you know, saved at all? And I think it's easier to just look at this movie and say, this is not Jesus. This sucks. <laughs> I know he's not like this. The movie starts by saying, this isn't him. Yeah. And yet people have like this violent reaction to this movie, right? They're like, "I can't, like they can't handle that idea, right? Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely felt myself feeling like somewhat defeated watching this movie. Um, It would be easier to point the finger and say it's blasphemous, it's evil. Um, But instead, I I did genuinely feel... I mean, (laughs) I do think like if you believe that god is holy there is i guess probably a side to this where you're like this could this could be seen <laughs> as as a uh, you know leading people straight that's why i don't really recommend a lot of people watch this cuz i could i can see people totally misinterpreting this but when i really attempted to sit with it instead i got a mirror facing like myself and my decisions it was like i'm called to be christ like Oh my goodness, like I'm I'm not even I'm like this guy. I'm like the worst, I'm like
0: the worst, like phony, fake, c- confused Jesus, or even you know? or even less, you know. That's that's yeah. the other scary aspect of it. Is as much as Jesus is not shown as sort of this this perfect and, and all knowing man, um he's he's also shown as doing the the right thing, actually, in the end against all odds essentially um and that's and I that's the other scary thing is like yeah actually maybe um maybe i we maybe we wouldn't even be like him <laughs> like this jesus exactly
1: yeah exactly exactly so let's get into things that we liked i want to get to judas but what really connected me with that line of thought is the line that jesus said when he's on the cliff side he's very angry and the guy's like, wow, you can hear from God? Like, that's amazing. I wish I could hear that. And then Willem Defoe turns to him and says, do you really want to know what God has to say? Like, yeah. he says that and he pauses. And I don't know if you've ever faced a situation in your faith walk, Cameron, where you're like, just tell me, like, what I'm supposed to do, God. You're like praying or asking to see something. And when it's like revealed to you when you have to make that decision, your gut sinks. you mm-hmm. know, I feel like so much of like scripture shows that over and over again where you know the rich man comes to Jesus and says, "What is it gonna cost for me to be saved?" and he's like, "Sell everything you have and follow me and the the guy is like rich and he's like he it just says in scripture like his heart sank like because he had a lot, yeah, you know um I don't know. That, that was a moment where I was like, man. And, and just to wrap up some of the Jesus talk, I, I think the other thing that conflicted me is like, wow. Okay. We're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. We're supposed to be Christ. Like I don't, again, this movie would have been so much better if Jesus wasn't the main character, if it was just a man trying to be holy or trying to be like a good Christian, you know? Um, 'cause then I feel like so many more people would connect with yeah, this, yeah, um instead of being like because because to compare or to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus, like it can bring a new respect, but like it's like you're not you're not god, you're not God, you know, like like Jesus knows you're not God, like God knows you're not him, you know it never says in scripture that you have to be perfect, right. You have to live a life without sin. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to, you know, to to live to the Lord's commandments and walk with him and to ask for repentance in your failure over and over again. That's like what the gospel says, right? That Jesus offers an opportunity for you to repent and be close to the Lord again and again, right? Right? Whereas in this movie, it seems like sin is like this unremovable stain, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I, I like I think there's a lot that's it's like nails on a chalkboard with Jesus on screen in this movie. So yeah. let's 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 get to Judas, because I agree with you, Cameron. Like I love Judas in this movie. It's I was like it's weird. I was like so I was so surprised by him. Yeah, you know. I I have always thought of Judas in, in the Old Testament as that quiet kid that no one pays attention to. And my mom and dad have had this argument because we grew up in the church. You know, like my dad's like, Judas is in hell. He hung himself. He's dead. He's gone, you know? And my mom is a very helpful person. <laughs> She's always like, well never know at the last (laughs) minute you know he could have had a moment of redemption that just kind of shows like you know my dad is very much more like he's my dad's catholic (laughs) right (laughs) or he was catholic right he was raised catholic so there's very much like a you know guilt and shame around that sort of thing um my mom is born was always a like born again christian or she was in her later years and so she that redemption story for her is like She's like, he. I, I'm sure that I'm going to see Judas in heaven. My mama says that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think what I really was surprised by in this um, is that there, there's so much in the text that we'll never know. Yeah. In the Gospels. And i I think what was weird about Judas is there were things about his... Interpretation and I could be very wrong. I'm not a scholar, but I didn't. What was weird about his character in this movie is that I didn't see anything that didn't align with scripture, uh, in his representation. And I could be wrong, Cameron. Is there are there things that are like very fictional right there? Um,
0: well, Judas is one of those kind of mysterious because I was actually reading about this because it was so interesting to me. Um, after watching this movie, I was like, I was like, man, like we really don't get to see that much of Judas at all, um, from the the perspective of the gospels. And so I think you're right in that he, um, he's not one or he, uh, I don't know that there is anything that's necessarily, um, like counter scriptural. I think the one thing that, um, was, I mean it was annoying to me at first but I I think I I ended up discarding it as as something but um like he's he's like there from the very beginning which was kind of weird right. um
1: also, very weird beginning. Like Super vi- weird. Like just people like running around. Like,
0: <laughs> like, what is going on at the beginning? I kind of kinda the movie, hated you know? the opening. Actually, I'll yeah, be honest. the opening
1: is like Bad. it makes you kind of want to throw. You're like, what is yeah. this? Like, what am I even looking it's at? Re- you know? It's
0: really maybe the worst part of the movie to be like honest. Looney Tunes action <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Well, and also, also, like, I didn't like that. Um, man, this is this is weird because. Um, I didn't like that he's, I thought it was corny, actually. I think maybe that's the best word for it. It's corny that he's making um, crosses for the Romans. <laughs> that's dumb. That's, like, really dumb yeah. in the beginning. <laughs> um you know, and and like it's a it's an okay introduction for like him and Judas. Where uh, now that I think about it, was is Judas is sort of the the zealot of the bunch, even though that's not really his role in the Gospels. But I think I think it's okay to make him that in this movie. I think it's I think it works um, thematically, and you know so so it's an okay introduction for that <laughs> I'm sorry, i'm so laughing i
1: don't know what happens at the beginning of the movie but like i just remember like all the people running around there's like a scene where judas like walks into jesus's house and like punches him yeah that's the open opening like scene le-
0: that's like literally yeah, the first like, scene what is going on <laughs> he like goes on, in and know? he <laughs> and he punches jesus because he because he's making crosses <laughs> for the romans and you're like what <laughs> what's happening yeah that's, that's such a that's the worst it's the worst scene of the movie that's probably the most blasphemous scene right uh, there <laughs> blasphemous for just there. being uh bad to be honest i mean you know yeah. <laughs> more than anything i mean god god created the heavens and the earth and it was yeah good. exactly but when yeah. he saw that he was like no good true and beautiful <laughs> and and that you know that knocks out all three of them you know <laughs> so, <laughs> um no but Anyways, um, but I think, I think as Judas goes along and especially in that final um, that sort of confrontation where he's basically, he's coaxed into, um, into betraying Jesus. And it's one thing where, where it makes you, um, it makes you really reconsider that story where it's, it's not, it's not depicted like that in the gospel necessarily. He's... Um, it's at the, the last supper actually. And he says, um, he, he basically tells Judas that he's going to betray him. Remember there's that, um, story where he, he, you know, he says the one who drinks from this cup will be betraying me before the end of the night, basically. Um, and he, and he, he hands the cup to Judas and Judas says, surely I will, you know, never betray you, Lord. and so. There is something where you where you think about Judas and his his role and I've always thought about this. This is something that every time I read that uh, read the sort of Easter story um it comes it flashes in my mind where I'm like Judas is really the most um he's out of all of the people in the Bible he's the one I feel the worst for. Um, yeah. As in he's put in this role to betray Jesus. And he doesn't know why. And it's never really given, there's no motivation for why he's betrayed Jesus other than money. But I don't, I don't think the money really, I mean, who, who knows, but this is, this is from Matthew 20. It says, uh, When
1: the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, and this is probably Old Testament prophecy, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him but woe to the man that portrays the son of man it would have been better for him not to be born pretty <laughs> pretty heavy words then judas the one who be- would betray him said surely you don't mean me rabbi jesus answered you have said so and then it goes into jesus breaking the bread yeah so yeah pretty pretty awkward matthew 27 starts Jesus or Judas hangs himself. So, um, and there's different yeah.
0: accounts of that story as well. Cause I think the Matthew account differs from the, from the Acts account. Um, so I think the, 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 the actual betrayal. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing is like, you never know the, the, the position and in some ways, you know, Judas is uh, and especially in this movie, this is kind of the thing that it's illustrating, um, Judas is being commanded or instructed in a certain way. Um yeah, yeah, it's weird. I like I
1: didn't really like the part when it, when like um Willem Dafoe is like, oh like your job is you even- even harder than mine or something. I was like, what the heck? That's like a really weird. (laughs) sure, sure, Sure. That's a really awkward line. Just so the, just so the audience can know, you know, Matthew also Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, much more scientific and more historical than some of the other, uh, gospels. You know, if you read through there's, there are four gospels of the account of Jesus's life. One of them is like, uh, I forget which one is it. John. John, that's much more whimsical. <laughs> the one the one whom Jesus that's loved, John, yeah. you know, he's referring to himself. <laughs> ah, yeah. uh, yes. Yeah, some writers have, you know, different perspective, but um, yeah. Matthew 27 after that, this is just how it goes in the scripture. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans on how they were going to have Jesus executed. So they bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Which I liked the scene with Pilate. Yeah, David Bowie as as Pilate, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Um, When when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver that he had gotten to the chief priests and the elders. He said, I have sinned, or I have sinned, he said, uh, for I have betrayed innocent blood. And what is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. Gotta love church leaders, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so Ju- Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And he went away and hung himself. And I, this is like a crazy detail at the end. The chief priest picked up the coins and said, it's against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy a potter's field as a, bur- a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this
0: day. Yeah.
1: And when, uh, and then what was spoken by Jeremiah, Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took thirty pieces of sil- silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used it to buy a potter's field, as the Lord commanded me. So, yeah, probably a little more depressing for Judas's, you know.
0: But I, but ending in the, I gospel. think that but, portrayal of Judas as being sort of, um someone who's, who's conflicted is a little bit, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of engaging that change in, in this movie. And I think there's something there. I think, yeah, there's totally something there. I don't know
1: what it is. I will never know probably (laughs) till I'm dead. Okay. I'm sure people will say, Isaac, that is sacrilegious for you to say, you know, just Judas evil, just, a horrible person you know there's no no character there but he was he's a human you know i have no idea what was going through his mind but yeah i don't know something about this movie made me like even reading that passage there um i have a new sympathy for judas that i didn't have, right yeah uh reading that then uh for, from from this movie because it if you read it Matt again Matthew being more neutral out of the Gospels, um. It seems, it seems like Judas is screwed, like from the beginning of this passage in twenty seven, right? Like it's like no one respects him. Yeah, and I don't know if anyone should, right? But it's just it's tragic right
0: yeah well and i think i think the maybe the juxtaposition of having um the betrayer be the one who's somewhat sympathetic in this movie and mm-hmm. jesus as the one who is kind of um much more human we can say but you could i i would categorize him in this movie as as in the yeah in the a film, little bit yeah. um cowardly and kind of wavering, unsure of himself, I guess. Um, Whereas Judas, I think he, in this, in this movie, you know, not only is he, um, he has this sort of, uh, I guess this sense of purpose, um, but also he's uh, thrust into this position that he doesn't want to be in. Multiple times. I mean, even the beginning, where after Jesus comes down from, I think the desert, um, he's sent by the zealots to to kill Jesus, um, and you know he ends up finding that, you know he he doesn't want to do that, and he's um, you know he's convinced before anybody else is basically that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, and I think that's another thing that I really liked about this portrayal of Jesus is it's much more focused or, it, or it's, it's very um, the political aspect of Jesus's role is very integrated mm. into this movie. And I think th- I have that in my notes. Yeah. Yet. I think I it gets it lost in a lot of the material around Jesus's story and sort of the Easter story and whatnot. Um, but so much of what was going on in the subtext of the, of the movie it, or, you know, the sub subtext of the story is that Jesus was expected to be someone who saved Israel from, from the Romans. Um, yes. And very early on, he kind of makes this decision of, you know, he sort of starts as someone who's trying to fulfill that role and then realizing that, that's actually less important than the other role, which is saving, you know, saving humanity, essentially. Um, yeah, the 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 political setup, the darkness, I love the societal
1: depression that's represented mm-hmm. in this movie, um, the tension between the guards and the zealots, and, like, it kind of feels, again, could have been a great, like there's some Dune elements in this movie, like very sci-fi ish. I don't know. Like it really just should have been a different setting. I'm telling yeah. you, it would you know? have been. I mean, I'm I think it, you.
0: I think it would have been more engaging for people had it been, yeah, um, a different setting. And I, I, I agree with you that the the context of it being a portrayal of Jesus is really what makes people kind of uncomfortable about it. Um,
1: It's jar. It's so weird. It's so, I mean, what I said earlier about Jesus, like the best thing you can get out of this movie is that you realize you couldn't do what he did. Right. Yeah. Like that's probably the best thing you could derive from this movie. Um,
0: Which, which to be uh, fair, I don't know that you could do that well in a different setting. I think that lesson is really put forward. And I, I would argue that that's, that's an intentional part of this movie. Um, I don't think you. I don't think either of us are reading into that, you know, between the lines or anything. I think that's something. Well, I've never. I've never seen Passion of the Christ. All right.
1: I, it seemed to have an effect on some Christians when they watched that movie. Yeah, but Passion the is the sheer like, violence. Yeah, but or whatever.
0: <laughs> but the brutality is, of what Jesus went through is not like. Um, that's not what this movie is really looking towards. It's looking towards yeah. the the human tr- struggle of of the willpower of of deciding um to to be, to be you know the savior essentially. Um so, you know, the, I I think I think passion I don't know. That's a that's a whole different conversation, but but I think I think passion is um it, it's an okay movie and I think it's much more engaging than this is to be fair. Um, and I think it's a, it's a fine portrayal in some ways. Um, but I don't think, I don't think, I think, I think this movie really come, makes you come away with the fact that, um, we're lucky to not be in in Jesus's position, and that he he really you know he is our sacrifice, um, and that's a much better, <laughs> um, you know, in some ways that's that's a that's kind of an interesting conversation I would say, um, not mm. to say that that's that that it's perfectly done in this movie and all, but uh, you know passion it's really just about the brutality of what he went through and you know look a lot of people were crucified during the roman times so you know showing just the brutality isn't really um that compelling i don't think i think what what really is compelling is showing that jesus as someone who who um struggled with his own role in in you know in this plan which he would have and he did in you know even in the gospels i think the garden of gethsemane like that's probably where this gets things the most right um mm. where you know in in the gospel stories he's he's basically praying multiple times you know the night of his death um like lord if it is your will let this cup pass from me you know and that's that's like some serious <laughs> that's that's a really serious implication what you get from that. I mean, he's asking to not have to go through with with his role in, you know, in this process. And I think that's kind of what this movie is leaning on and expanding it from just that moment to the rest of his life as a human would you know, experience that. Yeah, there just there are there are elements of Jesus' character that are missing
1: in this movie, or or I would have. Like, there's no doubt that he would have been faced with the struggle. There's no doubt that he would have. You know, he he had that prayer. It's recorded, right? I just, I again, like, I think I think Willem Dafoe being much more blank slate, being a little and and. I know it's disclaimed at the beginning of this movie. Oh, well it's not, it's not supposed to be, you know, it it gets into this like spinning circle where you're just, I don't like it. There's something there. That's good. Yeah, It's not accurate. You know, like it's just, it's it. I think that is why it's easier to land on one side or the other. And I think we could probably sit over and over and over again. um, (laughs) Talk talking about this, about what Jesus had to face how this movie strangely connects us with some of that even though it's not really showing like who Jesus was as a person and it's not a perfect Instead,
0: you know way to yeah. do this and like you said i think yeah. Scorsese probably has um come away from it being like yeah maybe i could do th- things better so you know that's that's an interesting aspect of it where um you know you listening to that commentary i th- i think that's a um, good perspective to have also just the imperfect nature of the way that he had to make this movie um is something something to note. Um, so,
1: yeah, uh, Defoe talks about it in interviews saying that everybody thinks of Scorsese as the guy who does a ton of takes, two hundred takes or something like that. in some of these scenes. he was like, this was like a you know, one or two right three <laughs> right, takes, yeah, you know at most. So they're really he's like, we really didn't have time to sit on this. Um which
0: honestly you could tell, I think they should have sat on it, yeah, <laughs> in some ways, you know well um, you, t- you could tell you could tell some of the some of the dialogue, some of the delivery is not so good, like let's yeah. let's be let's be clear here, but i I did want to ask you, and I think maybe we can wrap up on this um do you think okay, but m- much of the Conversation around this this movie is about sort of the blasphemous nature of its portrayal of Jesus, and we talked about that a bit. But do you think exploring the story of Jesus um, in a way that isn't biblically accurate does that constitute as blasphemy to you? In my mind, it doesn't, but. I don't know what you think of that.
1: I think it's it's difficult because if Jesus is who he says he is, then Jesus is God, right? And God demands a reverence. But it's confusing when God comes to earth as a man because he's so much more relatable and he did that on purpose. Right. And so to try to grasp that is probably outside, like outside of our capability to put into like words or into a movie or something like that. What I will say is that I would rather, you know, people attempt some, some sort of challenging task, some sort of challenging consideration. I mean, the fact that this movie didn't want to be made at all, and I have no idea what it meant to the people that sat there thinking about these things, you know? Was it immature? Was, were, there, were there things that could have been done better? Probably. Actually, most definitely, right? Um, but when I was watching this movie, I was thinking, I was like, does this offend God? You know, I can't, I don't, I I can't speak for God, but in a way it was weird because I was, I was sitting there watching it and I was like, there's so much more like depth and question of like purpose Mm -hmm. in this movie than Minions three, you know, (laughs) and some other Hollywood garbage that you could watch and not be offended by you know um you can just shovel down that next marvel movie um like this is this is a this is a difficult movie this might be like one of the most difficult movies and i i don't know i don't know i i think it put my mind at rest when i started hearing the conversations from the people that made the movie about where their like hearts were at when they were making mm-hmm. it. And to hear Scorsese say, you know, there's a lot about this struggle that I was representing in the life of Jesus. That I think I probably nailed more to my own experience and to my own wisdom in, in other movies, in like the actual human ex experience, you know, like with mean streets, I think, his 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 representation of the stuff in it in the Irishman is is like I I don't I haven't seen a movie that like kind of presents the redemption faith question in a way like that movie mm-hmm. has you know. Um, I just I really do think that this movie is just messy and it's made by people and it's people trying to struggle with you know the the pursuit of holiness, it even goes out of its way to try to disclaim itself. um, Which I think I just, again, like I really feel like it's, it's greatest flaw is that it is showing. It is showing someone on screen that in history claimed to be God. And like God is holy and demands like reverence in Christian faith, you know? Um, So it's, I don't know, like, I guess where I want to go with it, because I'm sure that there are religious people that would disagree with me, but I found myself as a Christian watching this movie and feeling like I had gone through a very difficult Bible study that was... It was like, it was like showing, it was like presenting questions I had never considered. Mm -hmm. And it was weird. I felt, I feel like I, I prayed different after this movie too, um, in a, in a strange way where I was like, I, I just, I definitely felt more like, whoa, like, whoa, like I just, you know, I know that's not what you're like, God but it makes me feel pretty weird about what I'm like. Um, So is it, is it blasphemous? I gotta be, I gotta be honest. Like I feel like so much of like what we, where we are and what we do is, is blasphemy, (laughs) you know, especially Christians.
0: Well, Um, what I was going to say is I don't see this as any more blasphemous than, um, the the like televangelists and the like uh what what is it the prosperity gospel guys what what is his name um that guy who's on tv he's talking about you know if you're rich then god will you know god will reward you if you donate to me or whatever Joel, Joel Osteen. Osteen yeah i think that is way less or way more um not just damaging to you know the the christian faith but also um is using th- i think i think what it when, when something is blasphemous it it uses the the ideas maybe even the methods of um of jesus to um to sell a a bad product essentially to sell something that is anti his, his message. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll eat up the stuff in the market. Yeah. You know, I mean
1: like truly (laughs) this is what, I mean, this is going in a completely different (laughs) direction, but it's difficult. Like when you say you're a Christian, because then you, you, you instantly see blasphemy and hypocrisy and you're challenged in your faith pretty quickly, if you, especially if you're considering like it to be true. I feel like the people that hate this movie were the same people that listened to Kanye West's like Jesus is King in 2016 and say, "I'm wow, you know, wow, Jesus is wow." This Kanye West album, this is like, this is the gospel. Like God <laughs> is good. It's like, dude, Kanye West had a song called "I Am a God." You know, you want to talk about blasphemy? Like, don't tell me that you like his album. And now, oh, oh, no, I wouldn't listen to him now, you know? <laughs> oh, of course. Now, now he's, yeah, now he's too far. Well, gone, but even, right? even someone like didn't...
0: Kanye West, I think, is, um, is a must, much more interesting person to study faith wise, um, than, you know, someone who, someone like Joel Osteen or, you know, one of these, I would, I would consider him to be like a, a complete, like false prophet basically. And so like, you know, Kanye, <laughs> Joel. O's yeah. Yeah. 100%. How much do you follow him? Uh, I mean, not that much, but what, well, I mean, what do you think? And how much more do you know about Kanye? West? I know pretty, pretty a lot about Kanye. You know,
1: and you know a lot yeah. about him, you know? <laughs> and this is the other thing. Like, listen, this is my, this is my in ministry too. People are so quick to make up their minds about people um especially people like Joel Osteen. I don't know the guy you know I've definitely I've I've spent my time in the church you know I'm sure he has said the wrong things I've seen some of the clips that are just yikes you know um but it's you know only only God can know a man's heart I actually went to a funeral um a few days ago and there was someone that spoke a uh, family member of mine. It was a very strong evangelical street preacher. Put it that way. Um, I have seen him street preach. He's a very he is a force. I will put it that way. You know. Um, and he was giving a eulogy at a funeral for someone that he loved deeply that he did not know. Like, kind of. This person's faith. And I was very intrigued to see what he was going to say. Because this is the kind of guy that would be on the street yelling about how you need to make a decision, you need to have faith in now someone that he that had died, that was very close to him. Um he was unsure about where he stood, you know? And it was one of the most like beautiful eulogies I've I've ever actually ever heard because this, this man that I've known. This family, this, this family member I had known for a long time, uh, was not Bible bashing on the on the pulpit. For a second, he was like taken back, you know. Um and he he basically said like, you know, only God knows this guy's heart. And yeah, I mean, that's said a lot at Christian or Christian funerals or P- Christian people talking at funerals, you know, um, he, he went to the lengths of being like, um, what's unsaid isn't unsaid in the heart necessarily. And I could tell like, it was really challenging for him to be put in that kind of position. Right. And where I'm kind of going with this is like, I don't know. I I feel like there's so much, there's so much judgment in Christianity, especially for the people that are, are really trying to grasp and, and approach their faith where they're at, you know, um, that doesn't mean that there are not morals and that there aren't laws and there aren't things to call people to a higher standard. But like, it's just like when, My dad talks to me about being like, shouldn't we correct a brother in Christ when they're, (laughs) when they're sinning? And it's like, I don't know. Do you know that person? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, I don't, I don't know them, you know, and I don't, I don't know, um, Martin Scorsese personally. Right. Um, but there's a lot that I see about him in this movie where he's like seeking, Mm -hmm. um, His faith. And to me, that's like way more genuine, uh a genuine pursuit of Christ um than what I have seen from I guess what you're saying is like the Christians that are offended by a movie like this. You know? Um so I know that's kind of a long, long winded answer. You know, if if God woke me up in my sleep tonight and said, Hey, just by the way, that, that movie is super blasphemous to me. I'd be like, oh, okay, no problem. You know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have like, oh, i take your word for it. I believe it. You know, I just, to me, um, I really tried to find out like where Scorsese was coming from with this movie, where some of the people that were involved. Um, it seemed like Willem Dafoe in the interviews was, oh, I, I did no research on Jesus. That's like what he says. <laughs> He's like, I didn't, I didn't do anything. Like I... I went in blank. Like that's what he talked about. I watched this interview with him and this British guy and He's like, well, yeah, but didn't you really like, and he's like, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything. You know, I just walked in and I just kind of went for it. And I think it shows maybe, maybe Willem Dafoe's heart is blasphemous in his portrayal of Jesus. But I don't think some of the people that created this movie had that. Intention.
0: Well, to be fair so. to, to him in this portrayal, I think, You know, when you're working with a director and you're trying to um, fulfill his vision of a certain character, right? It's difficult to. um, Sometimes you can be at odds if you know a lot about that character, right? Especially if you're portraying someone who's real or if you're blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I don't want to say that necessarily his, you know, um, his ignorance, you know, while he was he was making the role is because of his it could just be part of his creative process in working with Scorsese. So it's not necessarily that he was um <laughs> trying to be it could it could have just been that he was um working with, with Scorsese and wanted to fulfill you know Scorsese's vision rather than uh just being ignorant, I guess. <laughs> Hey, I love Willem. <laughs> you know, when he gotta watch the Florida Project. Yeah, it's great. Say. It's great. He's more
1: of a Jesus in the Florida
0: Definitely. Project. Well, and and I will say what what you said in um that that Scorsese is searching. Um, I think that's so true. And I think so many of his movies, especially the ones that are dealing with the most um, you know, flawed characters are about his search for what a good life is and what, um, you know, even, even what faith could mean to a person. And I think there's something, um, there's some, something so much more rich about that exploration of a person's life of faith, of imperfection, um, that you get from a movie like this, or, you know, maybe any one of Scorsese's movies than you get from 99% of the movies that, that you see out there, you know, basically. And I, I think, I think there's something to be said about, even if this movie is as flawed as we both think it is, um, it doesn't mean that this movie has absolutely no value. And I think, You know, to the contrary, it it, this movie has plenty of value. It's just done in a somewhat imperfect way. Um, But the ideas and the thoughts and the themes that it's exploring, I think, are really novel. I've never seen a movie quite like this. (laughs) Um, Mm. And and a movie that's so raw and open in trying to explore the ideas that are um not just very controversial but also very personal to um Scorsese I think there's there's merit to that and whether or not it's an immature and imperfect way that he's done it I think this conversation is um very interesting and one that he's had throughout his his career um and one that I think makes him one of the greatest uh, artists in the film scene ever. So um, mm. I think, you know, if it's if it's blasphemous, first of all, I don't think it's blasphemous, and I think part of the reason is what we've talked about, which is you know his exploration of the of the ideas, and I think I think a movie like this. Um, is so um, it's obviously very personal to him and to his ideas. And of course it's not, it's not made perfectly. And I think he could have done things somewhat better um, to portray and uh, to portray Jesus, not only, but also to to sort of portray the thoughts that he's, he's thinking of in these themes. Um, but at the same time, He's actually trying to think about things in a way that is so much deeper and so much more theologically interesting than the the people who you know make these sort of "God's Not Dead" fake Christian movies. You know, um, so instantly heard the guitar lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just um, have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's bad, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I remember when I watched it in middle school, I think I liked a different Christian movie more. I think it was called to save a life or how to save a life or something like that. That one was better because there was suicide or something. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Yeah, no, I, I I, a hundred percent agree with you. And I think Scorsese's journey and interpretation of this struggle between vice and virtue, and a Christian walk, um, the fear of God's judgment towards the end of his life—it really matures a lot more uh, in his later movies. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I feel like it needs to be said, but like his early films, it's almost like vice is is that idea of fun, and God doesn't want you to have fun. He's going to judge you for fun, and that's like the life of virtue is just suffering. Yeah. Like that is not at all like. The walk of life and as he's gotten older he begins to kind of show that oh all that fun catches up with you in wolf of wall street oh all all of the virtue even though it's painful like can have some value somewhere you know um although it's probably not shown as much as like you know the consequence of vice. And that was that's the thing, is like Satan in this movie, the thing a thing I did not like is that he offers a life of comfort mm-hmm. uh to to um Willem Defoe in this movie. And it's like I don't know if sin I guess in a way like you could you could argue that sin is like your comfort zone. But it's killing you, you know. Yeah, it, you know it's killing you, right? Um, one of the most—I know we need to wrap this up, but man, there's so much I didn't get to. So I'm just gonna like fire out a bunch because we gotta we gotta close it up. You know, it's it's getting to that time, Cameron. Um, Mary Magdalene—we didn't even talk about her. Just biblically, her importance is that she was the first one to see Jesus, uh, and a- apparently, biblically, she had seven or more demons cast out of her. Um, those are the things that are recorded. What and she I found was she was a history.
0: prostitute, right? No. no, she
1: wasn't. I read I read oh, okay, up on okay. this. Okay, so people confuse her with the woman that was going to be oh, stoned. Sure, but there's sure, sure, nothing. Sure. There's nothing in scripture that confirms Got that they are the same right. people. Uh, there's also um, a conversation about the wife of Jesus, but that's a bunch of bull. All right, <laughs> everybody knows that. Okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> come on, come on. What I found weird is that the prostitute and the wife of Jesus thing were so prominent in this movie. Um, historically, there's like a tie to her being called a prostitute by some pope in like, I don't know, 1300s or something. One of the hundreds, right? Some pope says, oh yeah, Mary is a prostitute. And it was like to diminish women's value to put those women back in their place. You know what I mean? As um, it should be. The... Just yeah, the the pope being just fully <laughs> yeah. sexist, right? So he's like, "Oh, well, she was the prostitute," and that like stuck for the time, right? For okay, some okay, I understand. Yeah. Um, but but I think like theologians now say, like, "Wow, isn't that crazy that the first person to see Jesus, like, back from the dead, is a is a woman?" At and, and during the time, like, women were were second class citizens, right? Like they go into in depth about this. Like when I was reading about who, like who Mary was scripturally, right? Uh, and uh, and the Bible constantly does this thing that values women before it was, you know, historically popular, right? Um, so I, I just think there's something to her character that was missed out on. Um, it served the plot better for her to be this object of lust or temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's for the movie's purposes, but they did marry wrong, you know? I well, just gotta say.
0: and what one thing um, that I, I don't, I don't think that the idea, I guess, of, you know, Jesus having sort of lustful thoughts or whatever. I don't think that, or maybe not lustful thoughts, but this, this sort of sin of, of him having, you know, desires. I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, and you know, this movie, I think, I think it's, it's really more focused on Jesus as having sort of the, that normal life essentially. Um, and that's sort of the, the, the attraction Um, rather, I mean, obviously there's the sexual component of that, but I think really what's stronger is Mary Magdalene's sort of, uh, she's in some ways the gateway into having like a normal life, I guess. Um, and I think that is a fine way to explore that idea. What I didn't like about her, um, sort of portrayal for one, just narratively, and like, this is a kind of a structural problem of the movie, really makes no sense like where she's introduced, what's going on true, yeah, everything about that yeah. scene like i I was confused, Hollywood. I didn't understand it um low budget b movie opportunity, yeah, it was just it was just w- weird, and yeah i didn't i didn't yeah. like yeah
1: nudity nudity in the but, Christian oh, movies you but
0: also i mean I don't care about that, I care more about no, the um the aspect of you know Jesus. Going into this random place, and then apparently he apparently he knows Mary Magdalene already or something. Yeah, like, I just don't yeah, understand. It didn't make any. It was sense. the writing was just all over the place with that <laughs> aspect of things. Um, and you know, to be fair, the story that you know they could have kept from the Gospels would have been much more. Um, interesting that, you know, he finds her yeah. in, in that way. And I, I think, I think there's something, yeah, they missed opportunity there because it just didn't make any sense. In the, they in messed the movie. up. They messed up. That was, that was,
1: yeah, that was not um, right. You know, they, they're basically just as bad as the Pope.
0: But I, day, I, but you know? I, to be fair, I don't, I don't necessarily care about her, you know, sort of inaccurate, inaccurate portrayal in that way. I care more about the fact that it just didn't make sense in the movie, Um, and yeah, the the riveting temptation
1: of having a normal life and a normal family, bro. That was. I mean, and this that's great, isn't it? it That's part of
0: the movie that I think works so well, personally.
1: That was the most haunting aspect of the film, for sure, Um, because it's the honestly. It's the temptation I feel like I face mm-hmm. often. Um, Cameron, you took a jump in your career to do something like with risk involved, um, being self empl- self employed or working on things that you know try to fill you up. Even us doing this podcast is somewhat of a risk. To be honest, I absolutely love. Playing worship for the church, playing music for the church. I'm I really enjoy like leading that thing. like if I could do it all the time, it's like, man, that's kind of I feel like that's what I'm made to do, you know, to be creative, to do music, to do pod like that's what I want to do. but it's what I feel I'm called to do actually. and this is very personal, <laughs> you know um, but when I look at the landscape, it's like, no, you need a job you need insurance. You need those things that are going to keep you secure. And this movie like was like, that's actually like a sin. Mm. It, it's how it like came across to me. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I feel uncomfortable. Like I'm very yeah, like, blasphemy. by
0: that. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah, is a movie, exactly. blasphemy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, because I think that there's there's something, there's definitely some truth Yeah, percent I don't know what it is, but I do feel like it's a little one-sided. I mean, I just got married. There's something very
0: biblical and great about marriage, okay? Right, and <laughs> like, even I Jesus talks about the um, many blessings of marriage, for sure. Of course, of course. And, and Jesus
1: loves children, yeah. right? Like in, in the Gospels, right? Children are a gift from God. They're not some... False temptation, right? <laughs> Although Cameron, you might like to believe that. I know it's I'm looking true, at yeah. you. You know, plague of the earth
0: or whatever. Well, that that's that's um, one aspect that you know they didn't even touch on was uh, much of the talks of Jesus and sort of the the um, <laughs> the like sermon side of things. I thought was pretty pretty poorly executed. <laughs> In terms of, yeah, of just like the yeah. things that they focus on with, with like what his lessons are and that kind of thing. Um, he kept saying, like, baptized with fire. I'm like, I don't remember. He does say this. it, he says it rem- once. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, but you know, Willem Dafoe's a, like 27 yeah. times, or it is like, but he does the Indiana Jones, he pulls his. <laughs> I, I, like, liked I liked that. I liked that aspect
0: of it. I thought that was cool. Well, because you always see. I thought the blood in the water was cool. You always yeah. see the, um, you know, the depiction. That's a very Catholic thing, I would say, the heart. Um, oh, okay. You see the depictions of Jesus, and either he's like holding his heart, um, or he's like, uh, his heart is like outside and it's like shining. Um, I don't know if you've seen these these pictures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I but that's to... that's a very like that's a very very Catholic imagery. So that makes sense. I I like that aspect of it. So
1: I'm glad we had a chance to bring up the family thing because I just openly like I'm I don't know yet. I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know where I'm at. I know there's a lot of American Christians who say you know let's defend our country, life, liberty, and happiness, and that's you know you gotta have a family and kids and all that stuff and. I'm like, you know you look at you look at Rome when Jesus was around and stuff, and it's like that was not life, liberty, and happiness well I think you know? but that's the start of the church, you know <laughs> I just I don't know like i'm still I'm still conflicted uh with with that, that
0: I challenge. think in some and, ways it's um, it's talking about sort of Jesus's role too, right It's not just that he you know the sin wouldn't be necessarily that he has a family and that he's you know. Um, living a normal life the sin is that he rejects his purpose right to live a normal life
1: yeah yeah Uh, just oppositely i mean i'm not like like there's this there was this homeless guy uh on maui um that we saw last time we went there and he just has this cross uh saying you know oh jesus saves and um, Juliana's dad, Frank, of course, had to pull over and talk to him. And, uh, the guy, this is like the complete counter opposite was like, oh, I had a wife and family. I had these kids and God told me to leave them and come here and sit with this cross. He's still there. Like four years later, like the dude is still there with that cross in Maui. And I'm like, I don't think that's. I don't know. I don't think that's right. What about your kids, man? Like, you know, that doesn't seem like something. I don't know who's talking to you, but that seems a little weird. You know? I mean, it's Um, hard. So.
0: (laughs) That's a hard one. And like you said, you know, this is where I'm like, I don't know. How can you you judge what this person's uh, road is? I don't know. I'm not sure. Insurance is blasphemy. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Let's just end with that. <laughs> well, right, I, think it, I think this was a good discussion, especially a start to this discussion of sort of more spiritual um, ideas in Scorsese's movies. But I really do want to continue with Silence next next week. I think it's going to be one that is... Um, it's a very tough movie and it's one that I'm still thinking about to this day mm. as a... um it's a movie that's really challenged me and my thoughts and my faith. And in some ways um, I think is much more profound than, well, I, in fact, I know it is much more profound than last temptation. Um, and it's one of my, I don't want to say my favorites of Scorsese's because it's one of the more difficult movies that I've ever seen. Um, but I think it really meaning wise I think it has something to say, and I'm excited for you to uh to see it so that's that's what we'll do next week and maybe maybe after that we can continue on the train of um interesting religious movies. I think if we want to go to something um so the the guy who I talked about who um wrote this movie wrote last temptation is Paul schrader, like I said he Uh, He was born Calvinist or, you know, raised Calvinist, but um, throughout his life, he's gone through many different evolutions of of his faith. And um, and he is still a, um, uh, you know, he's still a practicing Christian and is someone who has made a lot of complicated and uh, interesting movies. And I think uh, First Reformed is one of those that we could Continue next if if we wanted to, or we could just end with silence and uh, be done with it. But it's up to you. Is it true that Scorsese made a movie about the Dalai Lama? Um, he made a movie called I don't know if it's about the Dalai Lama, um, but I gotta I have to be
1: one hundred percent honest with the audience. It's <laughs> gonna sound bad. I have no idea
0: what Dalai Lama is. Um. I think Dalai Lama is like the Buddhist Pope, I guess. <laughs> oh, I think that's how I would describe it. I'm not really sure. <laughs> Does the Dalai Lama have a Vatican? No.
1: <laughs> what treasures do they have? That's what I, I want to know. know. What Indiana Jones movie is going to relate <laughs> <laughs> to that?
0: Well, I think the movie that you're talking about is Kundun. Um, and I I don't know... Is it about the Dolly Lama? I'm not sure. But
1: uh, just the video essay I referred to, oh, on the duality of Martin sure, He sure, talks sure. about that. So.
0: Um Yeah, I've never seen Kundun and I have basically zero interest in it, but <laughs> maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> 1997. So this was kind of um semi recent. I mean, I know that was uh 25 years ago but semi recent also uh shot by Roger Deakins too so interesting maybe it's mm. good maybe it's good
1: <laughs> all these heathens in hollywood
0: <laughs> all these heathens uh, well anyways um i think that's all it's this has been a Almost Last Temptation of Christ long discussion of Last <laughs> Temptation of Christ. So Cameron, I told you don't yeah, I mean this was going to be a beefy I know, one. I know. I tried I know.
1: to warn you. Well, so. no, I'm glad. I well, we, we had a good d-
0: conversation about it. So
1: I agree. I agree. Hey, we hope you enjoyed our review for this film. Uh it was a little different. I promise I'll be dumber next week. Although probably not if we're doing No, science. yeah, you you'll be um, you'll be right on the money. I don't usually research the movies before, um, but when it comes to faith, you know, I don't know everything at all. I'm not saying I'm any sort of authority. I'm sure a lot of pastors that if they listen to this would be like, yo, (laughs) what is this guy saying? You know? Um, But I, yeah, I'm, I feel like this is like, this is hitting a side of cinema that I've been always either let down by or looking for something mm. like a yeah. meaning. So uh, it is, I'm, I'm quite passionate about it. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for getting, if you got to the end of this episode, thank you for sticking with us. Um, I'm just gonna put it out there, Cameron. This might be too cocky, but like I could not find a conversation like this when I was looking for it.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, was there was no, there's nobody who goes into this movie without sort of the preconceived notions of either wanting to hate it or. You know, I mean, I think critics appreciate it for what it is, and you know, I think we come at it with, yeah, but they all worship pagan gods, all right, we don't yeah, but know, but, but like but I think I think in some ways, um, maybe we're the best audience for a movie like this, to be fair, mm. um, well, I would say, if you think that we hit this
1: one on the head, please share it because I couldn't find anything about this. Honestly, if you send it to your friend, they're going to be like, I've never even heard this movie. <laughs> I've never even heard of these guys. I'm not going to listen to it. But <laughs> I, I I, feel like, yeah, the, conver- the hopefully the conversation is worth your time. Thank you for listening. We post every Tuesday. If we're not posting, we'll try to update you on Patreon or Instagram. Um, we do work full time on other things, but appreciate you being here. And we will catch you next week.